Welcome to Biota.org Interviews. I'm Tom Barbelay, and today I have the privilege of talking with Ken Stauffer, whose Evolve project has reached version 4.6. Ken, for people not familiar with your work, can you please give some background on how you got interested in A-Life? I got started in A-Life probably by accident. I wasn't really interested in biology. The one, one day in 1996, I read a book called um, The Blind Watchmaker, and it blew me away because he, he was so convincing in how he described uh, cumulative selection that I was just really blown away and I thought for sure that a computer implementation of evolution should uh, be able to evolve smart creatures, really, is basically what it came down to. And my, my vision was to have something that would run unattended without me worrying about, and then periodically I would check in on it and, uh, you know, run something long-term, and I was sure that something would evolve that was kind of clever and stuff like that. So that was my main uh, excitement, was when I read that book. And he also talks about some computer software. And so he kind of got me into that whole field of A-Life. And you actually took that idea of Evolve and made it the name of your program. For people not familiar with Evolve, can you please give some background to it? Okay, Evolve uh, was the software I wrote in response to reading the book. Um, the idea, basically at the time, I was limited in what I was uh, could do. I had a Sun workstation, and I wasn't really good at graphics programming, three-dimensional stuff, so I wanted to just uh, use a two-dimensional universe. And so Evolve is uh, a two-dimensional grid in which you have squares, and each square in the grid is an organism, or a cell, and, uh, but the, it has an open-ended program, which is its genetic code. And its genetic code uh, evolves. It's a full computer language, and, um, and the instructions that this program runs are things like move, uh, reproduce, eat, grow, and that is basically what Evolve does. Uh, it gives you a GUI to watch things, how they work, um, but it's a pretty simple program. It lets you create new simulations and watch them evolve, basically. <laughs> now, Evolve is in its fourth version. What have the version transitions included? Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, so I've been developing this for probably 10 years now. Uh, the first version was uh, had no GUI, so uh, which meant I had to run it on a Sun workstation and then dump the uh, every dump snapshots to a text file. I then ran a Perl script, which would um, convert it to PostScript, <laughs> which is uh, a format for displaying uh, graphics. And then I would look at the uh, individual file. Uh, but that was very, uh, very cumbersome. And uh, the, uh, then version two, I kind of ported to a PC. And I used, uh, I had a graphical interface. And then version three, I comported to Eiffel, which is another language. It's object-oriented. Um, so basically, those are the trends. And then the last version, I, I ported to C, and I have much faster performance. I can simulate uh, 3,000 organisms uh, at a reasonable pace. You can, um, so those are some of the trends that took place. Now... Whilst it's written in C, it has this kind of meta-language K-forth. 
For people not familiar with K-Fourth, can you give some background to it? Uh, K-Fourth is like fourth language, if you're familiar with that. And Fourth is a stack-based programming language. It's very easy to parse. It's very easy to um, uh, write a program that will execute it, run these programs. And it's pretty efficient. Uh, fourth basically is post-fix notation, which means uh, if you're adding two numbers, you push the two numbers first, and then you apply the operator, like plus or times or whatever. And so K-fourth is a variant of fourth. Um, it lends itself, because of its structure, it lends itself to mutations because um, it, it's in a very simple format. And it also, as you uh, manipulate it, as you mutate it, it doesn't uh, break the syntax because there is no real syntax in fourth. So K-Fourth uh, is actually the, is new for this version. Previous versions used some really gross uh, stuff, which was slow and it, it had problems. So this is probably, I'm, I'm most pleased with K-Fourth for this version uh, because it gives me a lot more power and it's easy to debug and you can actually kind of write some good programs in it. Now, I saw on your website that you are running one year of A-Life, which is now 29 days in. What is the one year of A-Life project? Uh, uh, it's probably my main goal that I've always wanted to do since I started this. But for one reason or another, things failed, or the simulator wasn't up to par. Uh, it wasn't stable enough to run for a year. So finally, and I also have a spare PC at home here. And so what I'm doing is I have a spare box, it's running Linux, and I have a version of the simulator running. Uh, so every day it uploads a new snapshot of the simulation. Uh, it, the day zero, the first day it started, uh, there was just a blank simulation screen with one organism. And that was a C, that was a, I just used a generic program I used for my testing. And now it's been running for, like you said, 30 days. And it simulated 87 million steps. And it's, there's been 4 billion births and 4 billion deaths. And that's, so there's a lot of uh, evolution that's occurred. And uh, you, can grab a, you can grab a snapshot anytime you want and see what the creatures are doing. And the real nice thing is I don't have to uh, do anything now. I can just let it run. If I get, uh, if I get diverted to some other interest, I know that there's something evolving. So I've really, this is what I've always wanted to have running. And I'm quite pleased with the current version of the software. Is the evolution in the K-Fourth scripts the main aim of the One Year of A-Life project? Yes, that is the main, main aim. Uh, if, you, if you actually look at the software, you'll notice it doesn't look very exciting. It's basically yellow squares on a uh, grid. The real magic is if you uh, double-click on one of the organisms and look at their program. And it's that, it's that genetic program that's evolving new behaviors. So a lot of other A-Life programs have a much prettier GUI, or at least a prettier environment. Um, so Evolve is much simpler, but the, one of the advantages of that is I can simulate a lot of stuff with, uh, you know, within, within modern processor capabilities. If you have a, if you're simulating too much physics, then all your processing power is trying to make that work. Whereas my physics is basically, you know, 
same physics as uh, tic-tac-toe would have. Very simple, grid-based uh, analysis. So really the magic is hopefully after a year there'll be a really smart creature that moves around and um, looks at some other creatures, hunts them, tries to attack them. <laughs> Whether that'll happen or not is, uh, is not unknown, but that's my goal. Now your documentation mentions Darwin bots. Do you think there's potential for collaboration between you and the Darwin bots developers? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, when I was writing, when I was uh, putting up the documentation for this, I looked at Darwin bots and I noticed how many similarities that are between the two programs. And it's just the re reason for that is because an A Life program pretty much has to follow the same kind of. Uh, themes as everyone else and so they had the same issues that I've that I came across um, for collaborating uh, one option is to um, adopt their model their, uh, they have also a two-dimensional model but it's uh, has a nicer physics it's more uh, it has a nice if you look at it, if you look at their program you'll notice the objects move slower and more dynamically whereas mine is more blocky and uh, stepwise. So that's one option. Another option is for them to adopt uh, some of my K-Forth as the underlying genetic language. I think that could improve some of their their product. So there could be a lot of trade-offs. What more would you like to see with the A-Life community? More, more sample programs. Uh, I mean, more simulations. I mean, there's and uh, what's the thing that's quite frustrating is uh, the documentation is kind of limited in some of them. I, mean, I don't want to criticize anyone in particular, but uh, I, I do try them out. But then I don't, I'm not sure. They, it's hard to know what the full potential of each product is. I don't know. And I wish there was, and not trying to, uh, I, I think the idea of my one year of A-Life would be cool if there was some kind of website that was, hosting that. Uh, I used to write chess programs, and there's uh, chess servers out there that run constantly, and you can compete. You can run your chess program against another chess program, and they're always running sample games and rating them. So if there was some way to dynamically uh, to have different people's pro uh, programs running long-term sims on one constant website, that would be kind of cool. There was a discussion probably two years ago with regards to exactly that project happening. And the difficulty with that initially was just getting a wide variety of A-Life developers to collaborate on an interface in terms of that you were comparing apples with apples, basically, because right. of the diversity of A-Life simulation. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess. Uh, what you say, that's why the chess system works so well, is because there is a, there's a common commonality. No matter what chess program you write, at the end, final analysis, it comes down to, here's the board, what, what's the best move to make, right? That doesn't change, even if your chess program is radically different from someone else's. That commonality allows uh, different algorithms to kind of uh, participate. So I think A-Life needs that kind of uh, framework, and I, I know that there is some products out there, Swarm and uh, Brave, Brave try to do that. So uh, that would be one solution. Um, I don't think you can ever get the same kind of uh, 
consistency that you get with chess programs, though. You're always going to, everyone's going to want to try out different things. So, like, I don't think you could ever have Darwin bought organisms competing against uh, someone else's organism, eight Nova 8 creatures in the same simulation. Uh, but at least you could have uh, a common framework for running long-term sims somehow. I think that's doable. Well, I can see either Darwin bots or Evolve kind of fighting over the fur of noble apes or something like that. I can see that there's, there's potential for a wide variety of collaborations, but the idea of artificial life as AI in a simulated environment goes somewhat against the Petri dish metaphors that uh, are, are used by by people such as yourself. Do you think? Of, can you think of any way of resolving these issues? Um, you mean how the AI, how A life and AI are kind of uh, different but the same? In in some regard. Yeah, I think A life is, is an example of AI, AI, artificial intelligence. It's a more accessible form, and it's based on what we know about evolution. We don't know what goes on in the mind. At the same level, we know what goes on in biology for evolution. So when you build an evolution simulator, you know pretty, pretty much you're, you're capturing the essence of Darwinism. But if you write an um, artificial intelligent program, you're not sure that's how the mind really works. You have some good hunches. Um, so a, a life is very much... I think that's why there's so much A-Life hobbyists out there. It's an accessible form of AI. And it, it's, I think it's a very legitimate form of AI. Because uh, it's all part of the genetic algorithms, genetic programming model. So moving in that thought, do you think of artificial life as a science, a social science, or a pseudoscience? I would have to say it's a pseudo... Uh, science, I suppose. I'm not, I'm not one to say it, it needs, um, it's a science because it's, it's a simulation of Darwinism. Darwinism is the science. Uh, A-life is a modeling of it. And it should reveal truths about Darwinism, not so much about, uh, it shouldn't have, a, it shouldn't be a science on its own. So I want, that's kind of how I feel. Um, just like AI would be, uh, is that a science or is that telling us about how the mind works? Um, you know, I kind of feel like a, a brain surgeon wants, or a, you know, a psychologist wants to know how the brain works, how the mind works. And AI can kind of help, but also AI wants to build algorithms totally independent of how the mind works. They just want to do smart things with computers. So, I don't know. It's certainly a bigger question. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Any final thoughts for the interview? I think what you're doing is great, and uh, I appreciate all the hard work you're doing getting these podcasts out, because I'm glad I found them, and it's been very motivating for me. And um, I hope to see a lot of cool things uh, in the A-Life community in this year and the years to come. And um, it's been a very... Uh, it's funny. I, for you, I'll go on. I'll go on and off this this hobby of mine, which is a life. And it, you know, it starts out. I get excited about it for a few months, and then I drop off for a while. But no matter how many times I drop out of it, whenever I run that some of my programs again, I get sucked right back into it. So it's a very, uh, for me at least, a life. It's an extremely 
compelling kind of programming. And I don't know why. Uh, I guess I'm holding out hope of seeing cleverness evolve. That's kind of all I can describe it as. Terrific, Ken. Many thanks for the opportunity to interview you.